Oh, Lord Jesus, you are so faithful to us, and we are so selfish and unfaithful. Thank you for how you give and you give and you give and you give. Thank you for how you receive us when we return. Thank you for the rest that you provide. And Lord, I pray today that as we look at you and try to really believe the name you call yourself by, Lord, push the truth of this message deep into our hearts by your Holy Spirit in a way that human hands can't do. Lord, I, I want to just ask you to please forgive us, forgive me. You are, there is no one, no one more loving than you. There is no one more faithful than you. And you are also the one who is the most hated and the most accused of being unfaithful and unloving. And God, thank you for your mercy with us as we just take and accuse you and call you names that don't belong to you, and yet you remain so loving and so faithful. Jesus, help us to understand today your heart for us and help us to uh, wrap our arms around it and receive it. And Jesus, I just pray that at Highland, this group of people here will be really loyal to you, be really loving to you, really faithful to you, knowing that that's all you want is for us just to come close and sit and rest and be with you. And Lord, I just pray that we won't get so mad at you so easy. We won't run away from you so often, but that we'll just draw real close and sit in your shade and love you and be with you and be intimate with you because I know this is the desire of your heart because you're a good daddy. Help me now, Lord. Help yourself to these words that I feel you've pressed in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want us all together to say some scriptures. I just want us to hear our voice saying out loud the words that God calls himself by. So if you would, I'd love for you to say this with me. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Psalms 145, 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Obviously, God calls himself faithful. And when I sent the list to Brian earlier in the week of the scriptures that we could possibly use today, it was a really long list, and I was picky and choosy about which verses I, choo I wanted to choose. All through the scriptures from Genesis all the way to Revelation, he calls himself faithful. 
So this is a name that he really wants us to know him by, this name of faithful. But the problem is that we have a hard time believing it. We have a real hard time believing that he's faithful. Why is that? Well, I believe there is a very good answer to that question. I know why my good friend up in New York has a hard time believing or had a hard time believing in faithfulness because when he was a little boy, his dad one day decided he didn't want to stay at home and left and wasn't ever going to come back. And several years went by and he was, when he was a little older, his mom said, your father called. And he said that this Saturday, he wants to come over and pick you up and have a day together, just father and son. And so as a little boy, he was very excited and got up early in the morning with great anticipation in his heart. And he went and packed up his little bag and got himself all dressed. And while it was still early in the morning, he went out and he sat on the front porch step watching the road, waiting for his dad to pull up in the driveway. And he sat there and he waited. And he waited. And he waited. And it's about noon, but he wouldn't come off the porch because he was sitting there because his daddy said, I'm going to come and pick you up. And so his mom was like, don't you want to come inside and wait? He said, no, I want to sit right here on the porch because my dad said he was going to come and pick me up. And then it was 2 o'clock, and then it was 3 o'clock, and then it was painfully obvious. It was the reality that he didn't want to face, but there wasn't any other choice. And his mom came out and sat beside him and said, I'm sorry, honey, but your daddy's not coming today. And those are moments little boys never recover from. A grown man still remembers the pain of the empty driveway that's why we have a hard time believing in faithfulness. Because that story isn't unfamiliar. That story I just told is fairly common. It's a lot of our stories. It's a whole generation's story. I know what it is to see unfaithfulness. I, I, we saw presidents in our generation. They swear things. They put their hand on a Bible and lift it up. And they make all these promises. And then... In, in, in my lifetime, I've seen a couple of them have to go through the whole court thing because they're liars. They lied. It kind of makes you go, well, didn't you make a promise? Oh, okay. I see. You just said it, and then, you know, life happens. And we watch a man and a woman often stand at an altar and make promises to each other till death do us part. And then several years later, life happened. And it wasn't till death do them part. It, it ended in divorce. And... I know it's complicated, and I know there's lots of reasons, and I know we can make all those arguments, but isn't the bottom line that we made a promise and we didn't keep it? Isn't that really kind of what it all boils down to? It's, it was hard. I understand. But the bottom line is we made a promise and we didn't keep it. I've seen so many government officials who get elected to positions and they say it's going to be honorable and true and just, and then all we do is feast on the stories in the newspaper and in the news at night about their unfaithfulness. So we as a culture have nursed on unfaithfulness. We have a so, yeah, so what, yeah, right, whatever spirit about us. When we hear people make promises, we have been trained. We went to the school of unfaithfulness in our culture. We went and we sat in a little 
comfortable chair and we watched life go by and we drew conclusions and they were reasonable conclusions. We understand people say words, they don't mean them. And so I say, oh, I get it. Two plus two equals four. You said you would do it and you didn't. So now I learn to doubt. I can't trust you. Because you said you would do something and you didn't. I get it. So that's how I protect myself. I learn to doubt people. They come and say things and I'm like, eh, I've been there before. You're not going to fool me twice. I doubt you'll ever come, come through with what you said you were going to do. And you know, that's a really hard way to live when you live with doubt. It's very difficult because there's lots of times in life you kind of have to trust people. You kind of have to lean on them and you get this little, this panic feeling inside of you going, what if they don't come through? And what if I'm left out here? And what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? And pretty soon doubt gets a little best friend and, and his name's fear. And these guys just become your buddies. And you just go through your life with these two Two conclusions that you've drawn because you watched culture and you went, well, this is the way it goes. You can't trust people and, and you, better, you better just kind of live with your dukes up because anything could happen. And doubt and fear are your companions. And I understand that. I understand why we, why we got to the place we are. But then the problem is somewhere in our life at some point we got introduced to God. And he calls himself this name. This very strange name. And we're trained when we see this, I will make you a promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We say inside our heart, because we're trained to, we say, yeah, right, so what, whatever. Bottom line, in the deepest place of our heart, that is what we say. And it's a trained response, and it's an instinctive response, but it's a really, really, really dangerous, bad, wrong response. And in the middle of the night last night, I was really uh, asking God, so what? What if Highland never really believes you're faithful? What if we just come and we sing to you and, and you know, we're good and, and we do things. And, but what if we never really, really believe you're faithful? So what big deal? Why does it matter to you so much? Why does it matter? And I felt like the Lord really helped me to see that it is a really big deal. It's a really, really big deal. Because if we don't believe he's faithful, it sets off a chain of events in our lives. The first one, if we don't believe he's faithful, we will never trust him to fix us. Really, we won't. We'll like go, I know you say you can, but what if I hand you up my broken heart. What if I trust you with my deepest secret and you hold it in your hands and just shove it down to the ground? What if I give you my life and you abandon me? What if I let you see my secret and you accuse me? And what we've done is we have come to God and we have taken a human name and a human character and we've renamed him. We have written and you can't see it real good, but it, we have written unfaithful. We've renamed God. And we give a verdict. And because you're unfaithful, I, I doubt that you really could fix me. And you scare me. Because what if you're mean? What if you're really not good? And I just think, never mind, I'd rather hang on to these guys They've served me well this far and stay in my lonely, isolated depression, but at least it's comfortable. 
and I know what this is, and I rename you unfaithful. And I believe that not only is it a huge chain of events and that the first domino is that we won't let him help us or trust him to fix us or heal us, but the second thing is we, made, we committed a huge sin. And I know they're all huge, but this one is the second commandment. It's a big one. It made the top ten, and the finger of God wrote it in rock. And it's we just made an idol. Because we looked at God and we said, you're not that, you're unfaithful. Well, this is the deal. He is what he is. And so when you rename him, you didn't rename God. You created a false God. And you're worshiping a false God. And that's a big problem. And in the, and there are several scriptures I want us to look at. First uh, Samuel fifteen twenty nine. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he's not a man. Read, read that again. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man. And we're coming to God, and we're taking these accusations that belong to man, and we're throwing them on God. And God's like, I'm not a man. And there's more. Isaiah 29, 16. You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me? Can the pot say um, of the potter, he knows nothing? God is trying to say, I know you're unfaithful. I get that. It's the whole reason why I went all the way to the cross for you. But I'm not unfaithful. I am the potter. You are the clay. Don't turn these things around. It is idolatry. If we do that, then we are worshiping a false god. So how, how did we get here? How did we get to where we trust fear and doubt more than we trust God's faithfulness? I'm not sure the story, but I just wonder what the journey would be like for some of my heroes that I love to read about and inspire me if they had lived their life with fear and doubt hanging around their neck. I can tell you this, I wouldn't be reading their biographies, probably, because there probably wouldn't have been a story to tell because they probably would have stayed safe in the dark in their closets. But that isn't the story. One of, my fr- one of my favorite stories, there's two missionaries in China, totally different time periods, totally different stories, but they both really inspire me. One of them, I think it was Amy Carmichael, um, who when she arrived in China, and this is many, 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 many years ago, before cell phones and emails and phone booths and the ability to communicate, she felt called and compelled to go into the mission field. In those days, when you went to become a missionary, that was it. You got in a boat and you sailed away and you may have never gone back home. There wasn't furloughs and mission organizations and um, Skype where you can talk to each other and see your family again. It was sayonara, Charlie. It was a high call back in those days. Well, she felt the call and she went. She got on a boat and went all the way to China. When she got off on the shore, they, they brought out all of her trunks and her luggage and she stood there and was looking around for someone who was supposed to pick her up, someone who was supposed to meet her there. And as she looked around, she didn't see anyone. And, and the day went by and, and, and she couldn't see it. No one was coming up to her and she, didn't know, and she didn't know how to speak the language. So there was a language barrier and she was all alone. Now what would have happened if Amy Carmichael had had these buddies? 
she probably would have had a nervous breakdown and needed somebody to like give her a brown paper bag, although I don't even know if they had those in the day. Breathe in and out, freak out, afraid. Oh no, whatever am I going to do? But this is not what she did. Why? Because she wasn't living with these guys. These were not on her neck. And she said, nope. I believe God is faithful, and this is the quote out of the book that I love and has fed me so much through the years. She said, well, I looked around and saw that no one was there to pick me up, and I didn't know the language, and I didn't know what to do, so I said, well, I'll just sit down and watch and see what the angels are going to do. That is faith. That is a picture of the faithfulness of God. She said, well... God sent me here. It's his mission, not mine. So I reckon he knows where I am. And this might even be kind of interesting. I might even get to see an angel show up. Never doubted God's faithfulness. Never doubted that he would show up. Just waited for him to. Looked for him and waited for him. And that's why there's a missionary biography about Amy Carmichael. Because there's one story after the other about God's faithfulness in her life. But it's not just her. One of my other heroes is named Gladys Allward. And she was a missionary also in China. And a fantastic story. One of many stories. But after she'd been there a while, she kind of had gained power. When she first arrived, they called her a foreign devil just because she was a white woman. And they threw rocks at her when she came to town. And that's the way it is when you greet. Lots of people of God get greeted that way. They throw rocks at you. And she was there to love those people. And after a period of time, her love had overwhelmed them, overcome them. And she was taking care of children and being, kind of getting powerful in the town. And one day in the village, um, a riot broke out in the prison, a terrible riot. Men were killing each other and screaming and crying out. And the pre, uh, prison guards were also being uh, murdered. And they didn't know what to do. And someone sent word to the government officials and said, there's a riot in the prison and we do not know what to do. What should we do? And the local government official said, go get Gladys. And I often wonder what a day would be like where she's washing tables and taking care of babies and in walks a government official yelling, Gladys, there's a riot in the prison and the official said to come get you. Well, it's a good thing that fear and doubt weren't hanging around her neck. Well, what are you bailing me for? What do you think I can do? I can't do anything. I don't know. I don't have a weapon. I don't know how to fire a gun. I don't have a knife. I don't even know. I just take care of babies. And what if I get killed? And what if, what if, what if? But she didn't do that. I don't know what she did. I probably took a deep breath and was like, wow, Jesus, this is an interesting day. Can't wait to journal tonight. (laughs) And she followed the government officials and they led the way to the prison and she stood outside the prison door and heard the riot going on inside. And the prison guards looked at her and they said, are you afraid, Gladys? And she said, yes. Now open the door. Why? Because Gladys is so great. Because she was absolutely 100% confident that God was about to show up. Because he's faithful. And she says she walked in the door and didn't know what to do. So she looked at the man who looked the most angry and looked the most in charge and walked right up to him. He had a weapon in his hand and she said, give me that. I don't know. It's like mommy showed up. And the man handed her the weapon. And she set all those men down and said, now you are obviously upset and angry. Now what's going on? (laughs) True story. And they said, well, we're really hungry and we don't get the food we want. And he really made me mad. (laughs) True story. And she's like, I'm so sorry. We better get this fixed. We get you some better food. Now you feel better. 
And she did. She went back to the government and just said they're mad because they're hungry. <laughs> God is faithful. God is faithful. I understand why you get in these places. I understand why you get mad at him and you think maybe he's not faithful. Um, we all have our story. But the last time that I doubted God's faithfulness, and I say the last time because I mean it with all of my heart, was just several years ago when we lived in New York and Annie was very, very sick. And some of you guys know the story and I'm not going to tell it all to you. I can't. It would take way too long. But there was one moment in her illness, we were in a hospital where they forced a, uh, a spinal tap on Annie without her being properly uh, medicated. So she felt the spinal tap. She was five years old. And I had to hold her down. And she cried and I cried. And I felt very, very abandoned in that moment. Annie went back to the room. They could never do it. They tried like seven times to get that needle in her back. And they couldn't do it. So she was in a lot of pain. And we went back into the room and she turned her back on me because she felt I had betrayed her. And I turned my back on God because I was certain that he had betrayed me. And after 24 hours of being mad at God and not being sure of this word and holding on to these guys, I couldn't do it anymore. Because you see, years previous, I'd already made my mind up that I wasn't going to go seek out a false comfort. I'd already made my mind up that drugs and alcohol and false escapes and soap operas and whatever Twinkies and all that stuff don't satisfy. So I'd already decided Jesus was my only hope. So whether I was mad at him or not, whether I liked him or not, I didn't have any choice but to go to him. And I went and I opened up the scriptures and I really said, God, I need you to speak to me in this hour. And he did. He gave me Psalms 18. And if you haven't read Psalms 18 recently or in a while, read it tonight before you go to bed. A powerful picture of God's rescue to us in dark, dark hours and moments of our lives. He is faithful. He was there. He was there. He was crying with me. He was there. He understands what it is to be accused. He is more accused than anybody in the world. He understands. And he, and that was from that day forward, I decided through a really dramatic moment in my life, I, about se, se, almost a year past this moment, I felt the Lord compel me to take a step of faith, to take a step of faith. Nothing around me had changed. My daughter was still very sick. My husband had lost his job. I had lost my job. We had lost our ministry. Every, all of our friends were leaving. My family was far, far, far away. So nothing in my circumstances had changed. But I just want to tell you something inside me started to change. And God started coming after me and called me, take a step of faith. And I felt compelled to march around my house seven times. I know that may sound silly. And I really, truly was hoping a wall was going to fall down somewhere, something. Something was going to change. But I went around it, and on my sixth lap, my little boy, Elick, came waddling out, and he had his little bare feet on, and it was so cold outside. And I, and I was like, Elick, just come with me. So I scooped him up, and I put him inside my jacket and wrapped my arms around him, and I was going for my seventh lap. And my song, the CD player I had in my ears, the song switched. And as I was marching around, and I'll tell you the song in just a minute, the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, Who do you have in your arms? And I said, it's Elick. What does his name mean? Oh, Shannon named him. It means God conquers. 
So I put, took God Conquers down around my house on that seventh lap, and the song in my ears was, Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us forever. And then I finished my seventh lap and I marched out to the edge of my property and I just started shouting the song and crying and singing and holding on to Alec. And I started shouting at the devil, forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us forever. And I made an announcement that day, and it was a big announcement, and I have never doubted it since. I said, I'm done with this. I will never wear it again. God help me. I'll never pick it up again. Because forever God is faithful. And nothing has changed inside my scenario but I know he sees me, I know he loves me, and I know that he will provide for me. Faithfulness changes the perspective. I knew that God was able to change this scenario, and boy, did he ever. That was a long time before I ever even heard of a place called Asheville, North Carolina. Long time before I ever had a dream with my husband of Highland Christian Church. I didn't know where we were going, but God knew, and he saw he saw that moment in the woods by myself crying out, I'll never doubt you again. I will never doubt you again. I know that you are with me. And I want to tell you that I really do know what faithfulness looks like. And as I close, I just want to share a couple stories with you. And I really do share them as a gift. Many, many years ago, Shannon and I used to do school assemblies uh, we traveled all over the country talking to kids. And I heard so many stories about the unfaithfulness of, of people and primarily the unfaithfulness of daddies. And it so burdened me that many years ago when I was young, I wrote a book called Let Me Tell You About My Dad. And it's a collection of stories of how my dad taught me about God's faithfulness through, not because of lessons, these aren't Bible lessons, it was examples of his life. And I brought a, a stack of them over there. If I, I, it's called Let Me Tell You About My Dad. I just want to share. I remember very much, and for those of you all who got here uh, at the beginning of the end of the service, I'm not going to tell the same story just for you. I'm going to tell a different one. So you don't have to hear the same one twice because let me tell you, I've got plenty of stories. Story of God's faithfulness demonstrated through my dad. My dad taught me how to swim. I never did take YMCA classes. We didn't have a lot of money, and so one day we were on a, in, a, in a vacation, and he taught me how to swim. And the way he taught me how to swim was he set me on the edge of the pool, and he, and he stood in, and he said, Okay, Sherry, jump to, jump to, mom, to daddy's thumbs. And I was like, All right. And I had never swam before, so I was really scared, and I immediately figured out in my head what I was going to do. I was going to jump really far and land right on his thumbs. No swimming involved. So that's what I did. Daddy said, come on, 
come on, you can do it. And I went, and just flew out into the pool and landed right on his thumbs. And I came up spittering and sputtering and smiling, going, that was really good, wasn't it? That was really good. And he's like, yeah, that was really good. Took me back to the edge, put me up on the set and said, all right, let's do it again. So this time I took a flying leap and went under the water completely and came back up and reached and got his thumbs. And he looked at me and I said, that was really good, wasn't it? He's like, yeah, that was really good, but you still don't know how to swim. It's like, but I can jump really high. <laughs> and he took me back to the edge and he put me up. And this time, because he's a smart man, he said, okay, baby, come on, daddy's here, jump. And he jumped and you know, or I jumped, you know what he did. And so I'm thinking I'm all that and I'm jumping and going under the water and coming up and thinking I'm going to reach his thumbs and there are no thumbs. And I am freaking out and I start doing it. You know, and spitting and trying to get air and, and reaching and grasping and kicking and pulling and tugging and getting mad because this wasn't right. And uh, pretty soon after what felt like a long time, maybe it was just seconds, I don't know, but I remember it to this day, that feeling of desperation and reaching. And then finally, finally, I grab onto that thumb and as is typical for me, I'm mad at him and I'm like, where were you? I almost drowned back there. And daddy laughed and pulled me close. And he's like, you did real good. I was watching the whole time and you were kicking and swinging your arms. You're learning to swim. Let's do it again. And he put me back up on the side and let me jump. And in the process, I learned to swim. And I hope you can see the parallel there. Isn't that exactly what it feels like with God a lot of times? put you up there on the side and say, come on, I've got you. And then you jumped and wondered where he was. And the kicking and the pushing and the screaming and the reaching and the gasping, thinking that you've been abandoned, not knowing he's right there watching the whole time going, it's really important that you learn how to swim. And I've got to allow you this moment of struggle so that you, so that you can get strong. And I'm here. I'm here, I'm right here. That is a picture of God's faithfulness. There wasn't any place in my house. There were no secret drawers, no secret closets. There was never a frightening moment that I was going to walk in and find my dad doing anything inappropriate. He was the same man at church that he was at home. I lived that my whole life. I'm so rare. I know I'm rare, but I feel compelled to share with everybody. It's really true. It's really possible. Faithfulness can be reflected in a man and a woman. It can we start hanging around this guy, that faithfulness starts getting on us. And we start kind of looking like him. And it's so amazing. And it wasn't just my dad. And I, want, I asked Shannon's permission before I shared this. My husband is faithful. He is. It's awesome to live with faithfulness. And I just want to know. When we very first started dating, I had dated a lot of young men who said one thing on, um, on church and lived an entirely different thing in front of me. I was pushed and forced to go places that I did not want to go. And I hope I will allow you to fill in the blanks. And through a lot of pain, when I first met Shannon, he gave me a promise. On our first date, he had never touched me or hugged me, but he gave me a promise. He looked me in the face with tears in his eyes, true story, and he said, I promise you, I will never harm you in any way. And he gave me his hand a promise and he held in prayer. 
And I tell you, I watched my husband, who wasn't my husband at the time, walk faithfully in front of my eyes. I watched him fight for my purity. I watched him fight for it. I had never seen that before. And at first I didn't know how to react to it, but it made my heart feel very safe. And do you know why I can trust my husband now behind my back? Because I could trust him in front of my face. That's what faithfulness looks like. We start looking like him. And as I conclude today, and Nate and the band come, and we're going to sing and pray and, and kind of wrap this message up. This weekend was a very important weekend, I believe, for, for all of us here at Highland. I really believe God is trying to speak to us. I have been seeking the Lord for this message all week. And I have to tell you, um, it wasn't coming easy. I was having to press in in prayer. And I know it's because the Lord wanted me to go to a deep place. He didn't want it to come from a surface place, but a deep place. And on Friday night, Mary and I were up in New York um, doing a girls' retreat up there. And she had two counseling sessions with two friends, one that is struggling with doubt, one that is struggling with fear. And as she went to bed praying for them and pondering about them and taking them to the Lord, the Lord spoke to her so directly and gave her a scripture. And at the time that he gave it to her, she didn't even know where it was. (laughs) And it was interesting. Saturday morning, she's like, isn't this somewhere? And I'm like, yes. And it's for all of us. I really believe the Lord is speaking it to us. And it's this. Let love and faithfulness be bound around your heart. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. These are your companions. And the Lord is saying, please take off doubt and fear. Please believe that I am who I said I am. I am faithful. Don't be afraid. Instead, let my perfect love cast out all your fear. Let my faithfulness take off your doubt. I really am here. It really is too good to be true. Start living your life like this instead of like this. Come out. It's okay. It's me. I'm here. Jump. Jump. I gotcha. I'm right here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let go. I will never let go of you. I am faithful. Even when you're faithless like the giving tree, even when you're selfish, even when you demand things that are wrong, I'm here. I'm here. I'm faithful. Let me catch you. Let's do this together, this faithfulness. And pretty soon, after you hang out with me, you're going to start looking like me. And what a wonderful testimony you will have to this generation who isn't used to seeing people who say one thing and actually do it. Wow. And I just believe that it's very important in this hour, in this hour of our our moment in history, that we get this idea of God's faithfulness. I think it's really important. And the reason I think it's important is because the Lord has spoken in His Scriptures a whole lot of prophecies, and they have all come true so far. There's several more coming, but they've all come true so far. He said He was going to start a nation through Abraham. He said that in the Old Testament many thousand years ago. And He did it. There is a nation called Israel. He said He was going to come and walk among us and die for our sins. And 2,000 years ago... He did it. He showed up. 
He really came. And he said when he was here that he was coming back. He did. He said, I'm coming back. And the name that he refers to himself in Revelation 19.11, I am faithful and true. When he gets on that horse, that's his name, faithful and true. And he is coming. And it doesn't matter what we think about it. He's coming. You know why I know? Because he said he would. And that's enough for me. Because I will never doubt him again. He is coming. And if you believe he's coming, it changes the posture of the way you're living right now. You start looking up knowing this world's going to fade away. And it matters where I stand with him. It matters that I have confessed him as my Lord and Savior. Really matters. Because faithful and true will be faithful and just and he will return.